Are women better at retirement? I can't wait to talk to our guest today, Diane Stoltz. She's an example as a career nurse who's now living a passion of writing, being an author, and doing a blog, and doing what she loves guilt-free. You don't want to miss it. I'm Bo Henderson, and you're here at Rose Creek Community Center here on the Retirement Resource, the one place committed to helping you live a retirement that is intentional, fulfilling, and fun. Speaking of fun, I got to bring in my co-host, Carl. What's going on, Carl? Nothing much, Bo. I'm just glad to be back for another episode. It's been amazing around here at the Community Center. People have been listening to the podcast and they've been trying to get me to, you know, hey, can can you ask this question to Bo when you guys are on the show? I mean, I even got a request for us to do a live one of these so people can kind of get tickets. And I was like, well, maybe we'll wait until there's not a worldwide pandemic before we start creating, you know, live audiences for our show. But it's pretty cool. I like the Retirement Resource World Tour. Yeah, it'd be pretty awesome. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure um, Art would even let us have the pickleball court to set it up. And I mean, he's he's gotten pretty big now because of his uh, joke telling at the his end jo- of the show. Now, let's be honest. What's the longest period of time that you've been away from the community center? Oh, man. Since I started about 12 years ago, I, I don't know that I've had more than two days oh. not coming back to the community center. I okay. mean, who would want to miss any of this? So it's going to be an adjustment. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Hey, Carl, it's good to see you so excited. And again, thank you. How many weeks, four, five, six weeks you've been doing the show? This is by far the longest job you've ever held, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Outside of the community center, this is breaking all my records. Well, and what I like about our relationship here is we can be honest. Yeah, yeah. I always want you to be honest with me and I'll always do the same. I want to be, I just want to ask you, what's going on with your face? Uh, Oh, yeah. Um, So for those of you who are obviously listening, that's a sting over here, it's a little bit of swelling. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I'm an avid apiarist. I have no idea. What is that? So, uh, I, you know, I work in apiary out where, uh, you know, the, the sweetness comes from. I'm terrified to ask. So, is that a yellow jacket sting? Actually, it's a honeybee sting because I'm a, I'm a beekeeper. Like, I'm not a professional beekeeper. Again, like most things, I like to be the backup beekeeper. So I'm I'm in training. And so I've been doing this for a little while now. Um, and so the only problem is I have to carry a couple of EpiPens because I'm deathly allergic of, to bees. Wait, 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 wait. So you're messing with bees and you're highly allergic to them. Yeah. I, I don't know if you ever saw the movie uh, My Girl with Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, he died. Well, but it's actually based on my life. Uh, you know, it wasn't as dramatic as the story, but Macaulay was in it, so they needed a bigger scene and stuff. But yeah, I mean, that's me and, you know, my little friend and got stung. And, you know, but luckily in real life, I had an EpiPen. And and so ever since then, I was like, I've got to overcome my fear, you know, because everybody else is always afraid. And they're like, Carl, surely you shouldn't do that. And, you know, I just, I think life's about facing your fears, Bo. So, so I just got to go out there and, you know, the bees, they're, they're dying out. We got to make more honey. Do you get in, yeah, do you get into making honey? Is that something you could bring to the show? I'm sure, I'm sure the missus would love some if you could bring me some. Uh, yeah, they won't let me leave with any of this stuff yet. Uh, they they kind of collect it and they, you know, do other things. But I get to be around. They let me, you know, put on the, the mask and, you know. I, I typically most of my jobs aren't required to wear a helmet, and but this one's got like the front mask thing well, protects me. It's, well, it's great. Well, just make sure they're not using you to see if the the bees actually sting, because that's really dangerous in your scenario. Huh? I, they do always ask me to open open the door first. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna have to ask Dave about that. Why am I always the first one to go in? Well, Carl, be careful. Okay. And yeah. as interesting as that is. It's time for In the News. All right. So as we come to In the News, Bo, I actually just came across a piece the other day and had a pretty um, eye-opening headline. It said, can I afford early retirement? Which I thought was fascinating because I don't know. I mean, is this something that you're seeing lately? Because it's 2020 and people are like, I'm just done. Can I actually finish up and retire now? You know, that, that's a fascinating topic, and, and I'm glad you brought this piece up because I do see a trend towards this idea of, you know, they call the FIRE movement, and it's basically the retire early movement. And a lot of people, oh, sure, it sounds nice. What if, I could, what if I could retire at 55? What if I could retire at 60 instead of 65, even 70 in some cases? What if I could retire early? That sounds good, but the problem that comes up, Carl, 
is that all the risk we have to look at when it comes to navigating and being successful in retirement, they're multiplied by one thing. And the multiplier of all those risks is longevity. So the only issue we have with actually retiring early is that we have a long time potentially to live and it exposes us to a lot of things that could go wrong. So what I see more often than not is instead of just retiring early is maybe I retire from this corporate thing I did for 30 years and I go find a part-time gig for the next five and it helps kind of smooth things out. Yeah, I mean, I thought if I ever wanted to take time off from the community center, I could go do something like, you know, be a lawyer or a doctor, you know, when the real stress of being the head VCR tech is too much and I want to pare back the hours, I can do something else that's a, a, a well, lot lighter load. Carl, you know that take like seven, eight years of school, right? No, but like in the shows, like Grey's Anatomy, somebody just walks in and they're a doctor or like in Matlock, his buddy just walks in and starts saying, I object. I could do that. Well, let me, as a friend, let me just say, I think you really found your calling here at the community center. I would just kind of stick with that, I think. I mean, I, yeah, I can't ever imagine retiring from this place. What am I talking about? The, the thought of you working on me as a doctor honestly kind of terrifies me. <laughs> uh, so the piece that I was reading, actually, the part that caught my eye from, uh, uh, the author here in Forbes, his name is Joel Johnson. He he posed this thing. He said, one of the big things is weighing the pros and cons of paying off your mortgage. And so as people kind of come to you, Bo, like where do you normally take them as they're thinking about early retirement? Do they pay off the mortgage? Do they not? How does that normally work? Yeah, the mortgage question, it's it's a math problem, right? And it, and it the answer is one that's it's not black and white. It's It depends. So if I have income that supports the payment of a mortgage, then a mortgage could very well be okay because right now with interest rates, that could be very cheap money. And as long as I have plenty of income or so, so to speak, a retirement paycheck coming in, that could make sense. Or it could be the opposite. I could be in a, a situation where it makes sense to take a lump sum of money, pay off a remaining mortgage, and then I have no mortgage and have less expense in retirement. So what we do is we do something, Carl. Are you ready for your word of the day? I'm ready. Model. We need to model those scenarios. Model. What does it? What does it mean? Or what does it look like for my situation? Is that like a teeny tiny train, or is that like a no. Lego set? No, no, not like a, a a car model or a plane model. I got you. No, we need to model. Meaning, we need to run the math. That's a good way to put it. Let's run the math of what it would look like if I paid off the mortgage. What does that work with our my income, my expenses, or if I carried a mortgage? And the math will show you in your specific situation which one makes more sense. But a lot of times those decisions aren't made with looking and comparing the options and making sure we're making the best one that makes the most sense for us in retirement. Gotcha. Yeah, another thing that they uh, brought up in the piece was how to look at Social Security benefits from a different angle. So it says some of the early retirees apply for Social Security benefits as soon as they're eligible and settle for a reduced benefit, while others prefer to maximize their monthly check by waiting until age 70 and using the personal retirement savings in the interim. So what do you think is a better choice, Bo? So I don't want to sound like a broken record here with this, but Social Security, you know, that's a big deal. I wrote a book on Social Security because I'm so passionate about the the problem we have with that. And one of the things I saw in your book and somebody else mentioned to me, like most advisors don't actually touch on Social Security. It's not something that they're paid in the same way that they help you with like, oh, you need to invest in this place. You need Like there isn't a bunch of coaching or teaching around Social Security. So something like your book may be one of the only resources that people can go to and go, oh, this is going to help me break this down. Yeah, if there's a model where advisors aren't compensated to do advice or they're not trained to do it, they're just not doing it in a lot of cases and it hurts the consumer because for the average household, Social Security is 40% or more of their retirement income. Wow. And if we're not getting advice on that, and like you said, what if I took it early? That might make sense. There's some scenarios where it makes sense. What if I delayed to 70? What I need to think about is, does it make sense for me to delay and leave my spouse in a better situation? Because the larger benefit in a household, the one that grows to, to the biggest amount possible, is what's left with a surviving spouse. So it's not a decision you just say, well, you know what? I want to get it as much as I can as soon as I can. So I, so I file at 62. That might make sense for some scenarios, but if in your household, it might be 68 and 66. It might be 66 and 62. If I were to sit down, Carl, and run an optimization analysis with Social Security, there's the other word, optimization analysis. You got it? No. Okay. Just, just, we'll, just we'll go yeah, back Yeah, we'll just that. be honest. Okay. I'll go back and read the show notes. Okay. Optimization analysis, meaning 
what is the claiming strategy? And there's over 500 potential claiming strategies, by the way, with your social security benefit. What is the one in my household, in my scenario, if it's just me or if it's me and a spouse or me and a spouse and dependents, what is the strategy that gives me the most money possible back from the benefit that I'm entitled to? And for every situation, if I, if I sat down today and did 10 analysis, it will be 10 different situations. There's no rule of thumb. So, wow. so I can't say everybody should do it at 62. Everybody should delay it at 70. It's going to be 10 different scenarios based on all your variables of your retirement and your life. So let me be real honest. If I hear that from you, that's terrifying for a couple of different reasons. One, you just told me it's 40% of my income. And two, there's not really anybody out there like there are like dozens of financial analysts that I could go talk to about my retirement portfolio who are maybe even qualified to talk about my social security options if there's literally hundreds of different options. So what steps should I be taking if I'm looking specifically at my social security to prepare myself, to educate myself, to put myself in the next, the best position now? Like what's then my first step? Well, the first thing is you've got to take responsibility. I've yet in 20 years of doing this, Carl. What if I don't want to do that though? What's that? Take, take responsibility. You're going to have to, okay. because here's the point. I've yet in 20 years of doing this, I've never seen Social Security Administration call a person and say, hey, you know what? You're entitled to $60,000 more of benefit if you do this. They're not going to reach out to you. You've you mean got, the government's not trying to give me money? They're not looking for ways to give you money. That's weird. It, it's kind of usually the opposite. Right. They're looking for ways to take <laughs> money, right? So, so it's up to us to take responsibility and learn things. Read books. Educate yourself. Learn more. Listen to questions that people send into this show. Um, what applies to me? What applies, you know, am I married? Am I single? Do I have an ex-spouse? Am I a survivor of somebody with a social security benefit? All those things create different scenarios of how you might navigate this. So that's what you do. And then another thing I could say is I'm a very big proponent of an organization called NSSA, National Social Security Association. You can go to their website and find advisors trained to actually give advice and, and, and create optimized strategies for, for individuals or couples or households. Uh, or if you just really like the way I do things, you can go to risklifeadvisors.com. And that's a service that we do is optimize social security analysis. Well, we've got a couple of great producers and editors on the show. So I'm sure if you're listening right now, you can go into the show notes and find links for both of those things. So Bo, speaking of learning and taking responsibility, which um, not a lot of us, no, nobody naturally wants to take responsibility, but luckily as we grow and we improve ourselves, we can do that. I came across one other fascinating piece by James Clear. And um, the piece talked about seven ways to ret retain more of every book that you read. Hmm. Is this James Clear? Did he write a book on habits? He did. Same guy? Okay. Yeah, same yeah. habits. Uh, the same same guy. So for you, when you think about books, are you a um, audiobook? Are you a hardback? Are you a e-reader, Kindle guy? Like how how are you consuming most of your new literature? It's transitioned over time, Carl. In that, uh, and and there's kind of a conflict here in that I enjoy and I get more out of a, a tangible physical book where I can write in it, highlight it. But I found I've consumed more books audio, through Audible or audiobooks lately just because it's easier. Yeah, yeah. And actually, uh, I've got friends who actually will listen to their audiobooks sped up just to consume more of it, mm. which is something I, I don't think I'd be able well, to do. Here's an advanced. Here's, here's what if I'll listen to an audiobook and if I really like it, I'll order the book and go back through. Okay. Well, hey, Bo, you've already jumped to hack number seven on the seven ways to retain because the last seven, the thing is to read it twice. Okay. So for you to go back and, and re-enjoy the content of that. Um, so uh, the first thing that they said is, and I actually found this one to be really, really fascinating. The idea was quit more books. Hmm. So this concept was it doesn't take a long time to figure out if something's worth reading. And actually, you know, if the writing is skilled and the ideas are high quality, you want to stick it out because it's engaging. But most people should probably start more books than they do and then quit them. Go through, you know, the chapter titles and the subheadings and pick an interesting section, but then leave everything out because this is the crucial step. Quit books quickly and without guilt or shame. You know, I like that because when, when you explain it like that, Carl, it's like, it's almost like, let's take five that, that have potential that were, that raise some curiosity that we might be interested in and sample them. Maybe sample a couple chapters, but also without guilt, put it aside if it, if you just see. And I, I'm, I'm bad at this. I, I think I feel like, 
yeah, I'm kind of quitting on a book or I'm not successful unless I see it through, even if I know it's not really resonating with me. So I like that idea of, hey, let's 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 get these five ideas that may be a winner and sample them. And if they are, let's be the one we commit to. Absolutely. The next one they said was, uh, you can choose books that you can use instantly. One of the things you want to think about too is like, what season of life am I in? Am I going to read something in the third chapter of this book and it instantly have relevance the next time I'm hanging out and having coffee with a friend be like something that's relevant that we can talk about? Or, you know, as an apiarist, you know, me raising these bees, am I reading about new EpiPens to make sure that I'm with the most recent one? Yeah, what books apply to me? I think that's huge because I'm going to be more connected and engaged if it's something that's speaking to me or painting a picture for me specifically. Yeah. And to your point earlier about like, how are we using, whether it's an audio book or an e-reader or a physical book, the uh, author, uh, James Clear, talks about create searchable notes. Now, he uses something called Evernote. So is this something you've ever used before? I've heard of Evernote. I've never really used it specifically. I'm still kind of a tangible steno pad guy. Yeah. So, but how many times would you say you've gotten a great idea and you're like, where, where did I write that? Right. Like, where have I lost this idea? And I can tell you, you know, I've lost more ideas than I've ever had. And so James talks about in this idea that if you use Evernote, you can write down a note on your, you know, Kindle or this other places, or you can make just a notepad notation. And then it's searchable across all of your devices electronically, even if you're not connected to the cloud, which is really, really impressive. Um, And then one of the last ideas, they said, combine knowledge trees. Now, what they mean by this is you want to be reading a variety of different things so that you are not just taking in one perspective. Uh, Yeah, no, I like that, right? And and here's here's what I think about that. There was something that I picked up a long time ago that said, if you want to know a new subject, read three books on the subject, and then from that information, formulate your own kind of philosophy on that topic. So I I like that because if I just read one thing and then I just took that philosophy, it might be, you know, kind of myopic. Another word. (laughs) I'm going to have like a dictionary full. I'm going to have to carry a thesaurus just come on the, on the show from now on. Well, it's funny uh, in, in that, Bo, you, you might be a philosopher and a, you know, a a deep thinker, not even know it because it's actually very close to one of the quotes that they referenced in this piece by Thomas Aquinas in which he said, Beware the man of a single book. Yeah, yeah. You might be just taking your information from one perspective, and that could be dangerous. And I see context even outside of that. What do we see on media? What do we put expose ourselves to in the world? Absolutely. So for you, Bo, as we thought about, you know, kind of that Forbes list, and we need to take personal responsibility and read and make sure that we're protecting our retirement, whether we take it early or later. And then now um, for you in these ways to retain more of every book that we read, what would be your kind of takeaway from those ideas? You know, my takeaways first with that first article or that first piece, can I retire early? It's really the, it could be yes, but it's let's, let's do some modeling. Let's see if it makes sense for you and your specific situation. Uh, because just saying, I like the idea, so I'm going to do it, it mathematically might not work. So you know what that goes back to? It's kind of the core philosophy of everything we talk about is, do you have a strategy for that? Yeah, are we being intentional? And the strategy will tell us if that'll work or not. So you might love to retire at 55, but the reality might be 62's more realistic path. And if 62's the path and you have a plan for that, that's okay as long as you know it and you're not surprised. Because what we don't want to do is be one of those statistics that I retire at 55 and get five years into it and have to unretire mm-hmm. because I realize I'm spending money faster than I can. I'm living longer than I, than I probably was thinking and I'm going to have to go back to work for a while. Yeah, because our, our guest today talks about, you know, kids boomeranging and coming back to the house. I almost feel like the other version of that happening now is people retiring and then having to boomerang and come back into the workforce. Well, yeah, so that's my big takeaway is have a strategy. Yep. And then I think with the the other piece, the James Clear piece, I really like that last point of, Let's get two or three points of view on a topic that we're interested in, and let's formulate our our unique fourth point of view that's our own. Yeah, absolutely. Because I I had the same takeaway, because if we're not doing that, then we're not able to do what every book really should do for us, which is as we consume the material, it should be recreating us, which is actually an excellent place for us to end in the news as we get ready for our guest who's going to actually talk about how she's reinventing herself. Can you do something new? 
Can you reinvent yourself? I'm so excited to talk to Diane Stoltz to give us her real-life example. Because, you know, it's one thing to say, yeah, it sounds good. It sounds like a great idea to quit my corporate job of 30, 40 years and do something new in retirement. But Diane's going to share with us how she went from a career as a nurse to actually thriving and having a blast, having a lot of fun writing her book, Longtime Goal, and she's an author. And she's also writing a blog and getting a lot of connection and feedback from other people just like her in retirement. Diane, welcome to the show. Thank you, both. Thank you. Well, I'm excited because I was reading some of the background. So a couple of things exciting. So, so we're going to talk a little bit today about you wrote a book and yeah. you run a blog. But before all that, you spent some time being a nurse. So tell me a little yes. bit about that transition of the, the old life, so to speak, or that world. And then what brought you to doing what you're doing now? Because it's pretty different. Well, I've been pretty lucky. I've you know, had a career for 46 years in nursing. It worked beautifully whenever I was raising my children. We had the flexibility of the schedule. But then it was time for retirement. I retired from school nursing after 25 years of that. Um, that's how I ended my career. Loved it. Absolutely loved that. But then the nest became empty. (laughs) And it was time to reinvent myself. And luckily for me, I've always had this love of writing. Absolute loved writing. Had no time for it when I was raising kids and working. Um, And just one night sitting in front of the computer, I just started writing about raising the kids, which is the subject I knew best. And that evolved into the book, Empty Nesters Lose the Guilt. And basically, it ended up being a humorous romp through the years of raising kids um, to remind this kid-centric generation of empty nesters. And I think we all have to admit we are a little kid-centric. Everything evolves around the kids. But to remind us why it's finally time to make life about us. Um, You know, I refer to things such as our parents would never sit on bleachers for hour after hour and then award us with a overpriced hot dog at the end of the game. (laughs) Um, You know, we had to play with the kids in the neighborhood and how we all knew not to ask for anything on our parents' bowling night. So it's a very different generation. And it ended up being a fun book to write and people seem to be enjoying well, are you seeing Diane? Uh, how did uh, I know that this is a very niche book, right? This is this is the, this is kind of in this this demographic, um, yes. kid rearing, telling stories, looking back. Did you when did you notice people were kind of connecting and resonating with this, and it wasn't just you that had these experiences, right? Well, pe- people seem to love to read and talk about raising their kids. So even little um, book clubs that I've done, it has really sparked a lot of conversation. And what I tell the kids, you know, the younger generation is if, you know, if you can't relate to the actual story that I'm writing about, then that means I'm writing about you. (laughs) And they seem to have enjoyed it too. (laughs) That's great. Well, I I know there's, I don't want to give away the book because the book is available on Amazon, Empty Nesters Lose the Guilt. Uh, But is there a story or two in there that we could, we could share uh, with the time we have just to uh, that sure. you've seen resonate, or it might be one of your favorites. Sure, probably my fa- one of my favorites is about, and and this is something I blogged about this past week as well. Was um, it's titled "The Mutt," and it's about having a dog. And my favorite piece of that that um, seemed to get a good response on my blog this week was taking the dog to the vet, and how what an experience that was. Me being not exactly a a dog person, you know, and approaching the vet with the the comment, but don't we just let nature take its course with the animals? And then being put on a list. (laughs) So that was um, a fun memory. And actually people, even dog lovers seem to relate to that. that's, That's funny. That was fun. And, you know, then I get into chores, teaching children to do chores and how, you know, we end up paying them for doing things that they really should be doing anyway. Vacation bonding is another, another um, one. And that was, that was, you know, a lot of forced family fun in that one. 
that was a lot of fun. Birthday party madness, where if your kid has an idea outside of the Disney theme box, right, you're in trouble. <laughs> you're in trouble. <laughs> what do you do with that? Other titles of my my well, I loved ending it with college crin- cringes, and oh. that's whenever your kids go off to college. And then, of course, the final chapter had to be they're back because they always boomerang back, at least for a little while. (laughs) So that gave me a lot of material because all three of our children did experience that with us. (laughs) Well, I can see as you share these stories, people connect, resonate, they laugh. Hey, I even saw some reviews as I was was looking into the book that maybe some some people tear up. It makes a connection to a memory, right? Um, But are, are you seeing any kind of reciprocal feedback from this work? Meaning people are saying, hey, that's a great story. It reminded me of this story I have, that you're getting content from other people. I do. I do. I I think people, the very first chapter is life support system and how with new newborn babies, young children, how we are like a life support system. I actually quoted the exact time each child was born in that chapter. And Surprisingly, people came back to me. I know that too. I will never forget that. <laughs> so that was a fun memory to bring to mind, for, I think, for a lot of people. Um, but the book, it was funny. I was ready to, to go into another book. And my son said to me, you know how our children like to enlighten us at this, this age. That's right. Um, and he said to me, Mom, why don't you blog it? You know, what you're doing could really make a nice blog. And I wanted to blog about women turning 60. So taking from the title, Empty Nesters Lose the Guilt, I went with women at 60 lose the heels. (laughs) So that led right into a really fun blog that I'm doing now that I'm having a blast writing. And um, it's, there's a lot of material for that. Women, women over 60 are hilarious. (laughs) That's what I said. Women at 60 is, is the blog. Correct. And same kind of, and and you, you made that. Well, one question I have is, as we're talking about this, so content. So I know you share stories um, from the past, but now you're talking about women at six. Now I have another curious question about that. What is is just life giving you this material? That, oh, hey, I went yes, through a lot of Starbucks, indeed. you know. Oh yes, indeed. <laughs> Some of my blog titles are well. The one of the latest was when to toss the kids trophies. That was a lot of fun. And I did get a lot of uh, comments on that one. I've done things that have to do with fashion for women over 60. Things such as lose the shapewear, um, (laughs) gravity effect, my neck, what's happening? (laughs) So with women women, um, over 60, that that was a very popular one. My neck, what's happening? The comfy epidemic. And a lot of these, you don't have to be 60 to relate to. Uh, the comfy epidemic led right into the pandemic <laughs> and how that is the new <laughs> dress code for most of us. We got into some vacationing um, blogs, vacationing with adult kids, travel must-haves at 60. That was a fun one to write because I'm a very high-maintenance traveler and I have to have my stuff. I went into then kind of everyday life things. My new doc is a millennial. That was fun. Wow. Um, <laughs> like you're younger um, than my kids. Pardon me? That's just like you're younger than my kids, right? Well, that was, that's what it's turning into. That is exactly <laughs> what it's turning into. And I don't even ask how old they are anymore. I just <laughs> go in and cross my fingers. <laughs> well, you brought up a good uh, point. Uh, you say nothing's funnier than women in their 60s. And, you know, so much of it's your mind. Uh, your your mind shift or your perception or how you approach things. Uh, maybe your frame of mind is the, the better way to say it. But, you know, we're going into this phase of life. And I found, you know, I, I've been working with people for 20 years transitioning into retirement. And I've seen people really struggle. I've seen people um, really, some negative things, get really depressed, have have some of the dark side of things. But what I love that you're talking about is some of these things that you're talking about you're laughing at it, right? We're looking yes. at it and we're saying, you know what? We can have fun with this. We can yes. be excited. We can look forward to it. 
And that's what I love about about some of these stories in your take. And you're, you know, some people I, I I can I can see being very sad about going to this new phase, the kids being out of the house. But you're saying, hey, let's let's look back, let's enjoy it, let's look forward to the grandkids and let's laugh. Let's have fun yeah. and let's make this next stage even better. You know, when I, whenever my first went into kindergarten, I remember I, I vividly remember this, and it was a turning point for me. I was standing at the bus, little guy's going on with his brand new backpack and shiny new (laughs) shoes. He's climbing up those steps. And I remember thinking to myself, I am going to embrace every change through this journey of motherhood and life for that reason. I really am going to make up my mind to embrace each phase. And I started to get excited about that new phase of them being in school and in elementary school. And then when they went to middle school, there was that whole transition of a new phase. Of course, going to college was a whole new phase. And I really tried to embrace and it's carried through even even to retirement where my husband and I are very much embracing this phase of our life. It's given me the opportunity and I'm lucky because I love to write. And, right. and I'm lucky that I was able to have something that I could go back and fill in the void, especially during the pandemic without you know, as much social as we're used to. It has been a beautiful thing to, to fill in the void. But there is something to be gained and enjoyed, I feel, if in the right mindset, as you mentioned, to each phase of life. Something exciting and something to get excited about. Right. And you have to be intentional, right? You have to do it. Yes. To find it, right? Yes. Well, one of the things, Diane, you shared was um, this this little little snippet I saw that this, a lot of what you're doing is about getting back to what you love without the guilt. Now, I mean, that's paraphrase, right? But, yes. but talk to me a little bit about that. Yes. You know, that's that's why I put it as part of the title of my book. Empty nesters lose the guilt because you have already put in so much into life of raising your children. That's what the book is reminding you about that journey of raising your children and all that you've done and put into that. And you've put in all that you can, I'm sure, if you're retired into your career. I feel like, you know, I, I left my career, but it's now time to put that aside, let the younger generation take over the nursing arena. And it's now really, really time for us to indulge ourselves and spend our time doing things that we enjoy. And when you think about it in the terms of all that you've put into those other two phases or other phases of your life, you can easily lose the guilt because you've done a lot. You know, and I think uh, from from just conversation upon conversation um, in this area, it, it makes so much sense that us living our best version, our most fulfilled version of our life in retirement, that's the best gift we could give anybody. That's actually, there's nothing to be guilty about. You're, you're going to be better for your kids, your grandkids, your spouse, the world, your community. Right? So, so it's I love true. that. Well, one of the things I, I wanted to hit, so... A lot of our listeners on the show, they're somewhere in that I'm retiring in the near future or or I'm in retirement. And when we hear you, Diane, you can just hear the energy. You can hear that you're excited and you really um, are passionate about what you're doing. What would be some advice for that person that might be, because I run across a lot of these that might be, hey, my career is going to end or the goals in two or three years um, and I have no idea what's next. Any advice there? Well, Yes, because I mean, I was there. Um, Making the decision to retire was like a light switch for me. I was, no, I'm not ready. No, I'm not ready. My husband retired a year before me. Still, I'm not ready. And um, and I part of it was that I was enjoying my career. Hmm. But then a light switch went off, and it was almost like I could see my life for the first time what it would be like in retirement without having to go to a job every day. And I liked, I liked the look of that. So my first advice would be to take a look at that. You know, really 
envision what your day to day would be. And it is amazing how you fill up your day. Um, you're not as, it, it's wonderful not to be hurried and, and to have as many deadlines in your life at this point in your life. You know, there's been a lot of deadlines in our lives getting to this point. And doing things because you choose to and want to do them. That's a big difference, right? It's a very nice, it's a very nice existence. (laughs) So I think I would envision, I would, you know, as far as finding, I would call it a hobby or an interest or something that you can now indulge in. For me, it was writing, obviously. But for my husband, you know, I I started talking to him about what is he going to fill his day with? Mm -hmm. You know, I said, you know, how about making a model? I'm not going to make a model. I'm not 10. You know, (laughs) he couldn't really embrace the hobby piece. And we found that what it turned out for him was just spending time outside in the yard, putzing around. Mm -hmm. It you know, when you write it down on paper, it doesn't sound necessarily like something you might want to enjoy or that you would say, this is my new retirement gig, but it has very much worked for him. And he, he loves having the time to do what he likes to do in the yard. We spend, it, we're free to spend time with family and, and travel to see our son in Boston. We're in Connecticut. And it, it, it makes that piece so much easier when the grandchildren show up. We want to be there for them. And honestly, I think that is all that we've needed. You right. don't have to overthink it. You don't have to think about it in the terms of, I need something big. Right. It could be the littlest thing that really fulfills you at this time of your life. Maybe cooking or organizing my house. I enjoy doing that. Things that I would almost feel embarrassed to say, this is what I'm enjoying right now, but it is. Yeah, no, and I think that's the key. We, uh, I've, my, my definition, I call it your definition of a rich life. And the, and the thing with that is, uh-huh. right, it's what's fulfilling and meaningful to you. We yes. can't tell anybody what that is, but we all have something that's going to do the trick. And another thing I was thinking about as you're talking about your husband's thing that's helpful too, because another thing I see, if, if you don't have your thing, that can even impact the, that relationship in retirement. I've seen that happen a lot, right? Where, where one person's depending on the other person for all their relationship needs now that they're not working. <laughs> so yes. so yes. That's, that's a whole nother phase. And there's some funny, there's some humorous stories. And I even have some tough stories of, of that kind of thing of, I, I'm going to tell one real quick. Uh, yes. me. So I was I was with a couple out in Houston, Texas, and and one of the the, the husband had retired, and we all went to dinner to to celebrate, and over all through dinner, his name was Jim. He was saying, "Bo, I'm so excited! I'm retired. This is the best thing. I wish we did it a year or two sooner. I'm just I'm just beyond excited. This is great." And then on the way out of the restaurant, his wife Gail pulled me aside and said, "Bo, you've got to find this man another job, a hobby." <laughs> or something. He is driving me crazy, right? And I love that story because it's humorous, but there's also a lot of truth that happens. Well, it is a lot of truth. And I've heard that from friends as well. We have struck a balance, but it, it took us a little trying, sure. troubleshooting to get there. When I'm cooking, and this could be my Italian coming out, when I'm cooking, it's out of my kitchen. Out of my kitchen. That's right. It's my, it's my space. This is my domain. I like it. I do not watch the movies that are a lot of the TV that he watches. So after the news at night, he goes down into the man cave and watches his TV. And I'm up watching HGTV. Um, and that has worked very well for us. You do have to figure in alone time as a couple. I think that is important. Mm-hmm. Um just because you're spending a lot of time together. <laughs> well, as we kind of wind down, Diane, this is a question I like to ask, just really because I'm curious. And, and the answer could be, I'm figuring it out as I go, but I always like to future cast and say, hey, do you have any vision or ideas of, of where all this may go or, or what you're seeing in the next two, three years? Well, um, we have a we have a... I want to say it's in the back of our mind, a dream that we might try to buy a lake house. We love lakes. We love kayaking. We, it's fun to have this idea, whether it materializes or not, I don't think is as important. 
as it's fun to think about it. Right. <laughs> so to have something out there that's kind of out there for us it is it can excite you. I think it's more that there's always something to look forward to. What's what's next? We've been tempted to downsize from the big house. We've you know looked at condos. We're not ready for that. I think um, looking forward and not being afraid of change at this time of our lives is an important thing to do because change can be exhilarating. Mm-hmm. And any changes that we've made, we have, we have found that. So I would say don't hesitate to have that plan. Yeah, always have the next thing. I think that's, that's excellent yeah. advice. Well, yeah. we've been talking to Diane Stoltz, uh, author of Empty Nesters Lose the Guilt and writer at womenat60.wordpress.com. That's the Women at 60 blog. Uh, check out the book on Amazon. I went and checked it out and, and, and read through the reviews and, and it looks like you know a lot of fun stories. And Diane, one, thank you for being on the show today. But second, I hope you'll touch base with me when you have another great story because I might just steal it and share it. I'll give you credit, of course. <laughs> That's a deal. All right. Thanks so much. I had a lot of fun. Thank you, Bo. I have enjoyed every minute of it. Wow, Carl, that was a lot of fun. What did you think about the interview with Diane Stoltz? Great lady. Yeah, it was really, really funny. I loved her take on, you know, kids and, you know, in our generation, you didn't ask the parents for anything on bowling night. I thought that was pretty (laughs) funny. I think my big takeaway has to be um, just don't, you know, don't overthink it. Oh, no. Now, I think that was a good idea for Diane. I think maybe you should think a little more. Well, uh, uh, yeah, okay. I, I can see your your point. I, uh, if I'm thinking then about, for me, it's going to be, can I find a passion other than being an apiarist? Like, if they start to say, no, we're not going to give you any more EpiPens, and I can't pursue my love of bees and honey and 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 that. What's the thing that's going to be interesting to me in my retirement? Because, I mean, honestly, I can't ever see leaving the community center. But, I mean, at some point, they're probably going to bring in young bloods who do it better than me. And I'll have to figure out what I'm going to do next. You no, know, I like the word is, is curious. And, and Diane brought, brought this to the table is that she had some things she thought she'd really like to do. And she tried it and it worked for her. I think that's a great a great takeaway is, hey, what are the things that after my career I might be curious about? And I'm not committing my life to it like your beekeeping, Carl, but maybe I just want to try it out. And if it doesn't work, that's okay. But if it does, at least I know. Yeah. And do you think her husband would let me raise some bees in the backyard where he's puttering around in Connecticut? I'll give you her number, Carl. I think that's just kind of weird, though. Uh, man, I think he'd be into it. <laughs> well, you know, and then the, the last thing that I really liked about what Diane is doing that I think is a great example is uh, she didn't say, you know what, I'm a nurse. That's such a different, you know, it's a different brain than a writer. But she had that passion to be a writer. And in retirement, she did it. You know, a lot of us have these goals and dreams. She wrote a book. And then she started blogging about things she knew, you know, her kids, her kids coming back, life in retirement, life not working in the hospital anymore. And what she found was a community that said, hey, I get that. I think that's funny because I resonate with that. That's similar to my experience. So not only is she doing something she loves with the writing, but she actually created and facilitated a community now of other people. Pretty powerful. Yeah, I mean, really powerful. And it it just encourages me because, I mean, we're basically the same person, her and I. I mean, you think about her like going from nurse to, you know, author. It's like me. I'm going from like tech wizard of all things VHS to like bee whisperer. Those, I mean, people are probably sitting back going, wow. Well, I, I might just plug you in with Diane, get you on. A, she might can help you with this whole idea of, of how you reinvent yourself. You know, I might can swap stories. Yeah, amazing. Basically the same person hanging out. All right, let's go to the mailbag. Well, Bo, that's my song right there. You know when we hear that, 
It's my favorite part of the show. We're about to jump into the mailbag. And actually, just to remind all of our listeners, you can always get your chance to be a part of In the Mailbag on the show. And you can do that by going to askbo.com. That's A-S-K-B-E-A-U.com. Or you can go to facebook.com forward slash retirement resource. We'd love to hear your questions, get them featured on the show. And as always, if your question gets featured, you're gonna get some free stuff from us. So we'd love to send that your way. Today, Bo, we have John from Indies. Got a great question. Hey, Bo, I've had this uh, small business here for the last 20 years and I've been growing it. It's been amazing. But now I'm coming to the point where I wanna know how do I transfer it? What's the next step? Do I sell it? Do I hand it off? What would your suggestions be for the next stage? Wow. So as a business owner myself and working with a lot of business owners over the years, that's a great question. Because uh, here's some of the statistics and some of the things you run into is, you know, uh, for most business owners, the business is their baby, right? And 80 to 90% of a business owner's net worth is typically tied up in their business. So the idea of transitioning and leaving that business can be kind of scary and daunting because, that could be most of the value. So, so then it comes to, did I build a business or do I have a business that's in a position to be able to sell it? Do I want to transfer it to my kids? Uh, so there's some work that needs to be done, John. I think, I think it's a good question is, okay, um, if I'm getting to the point to where I see, yeah, maybe I want to transition and exit this business at some point. Uh, what you really need to do, and, and another statistic, and I don't want to be too much of a downer here, Carl, when I talk about this. Well, you know me and math. We're already a downer before okay, we start well, this but, one. But listen to this statistic. 70 to 80% of businesses don't transition successfully. Hold on. So let me ask this then. So you mean if I started my own apiarist company and I'm building my honey company and I build it for the next 20 years, there's a 70 to 80% chance that the business does not outlive me. No, that it won't transfer or that you're not able to sell it, right? So I'm just stuck with this thing that I love, but I would have loved to sell and move on to the next stage of my life, but that's just not going to happen. Unless you do some work. So, okay. so that's the message. If we see that a, that a transition something in the future the, that we need to start looking at, what is my business value? What, what, what is it worth? And is it something that's sellable? And if it's not, there's very specific things you can do to put it in the position to where a buyer might actually... Um, create an offer to make sense. And not only that, so even if we get in the position to sell, what it would sell for, does that create the income need we we would need to get our goals or hit our income need in retirement? So there's a lot of moving parts. So John, again, it's kind of a complicated question, but what I would look for is, is an advisor that does business exit planning. And what that does is it takes business owners and they work exclusively with business owners. And I say that because your average financial advice is more um, allocating and diversifying things for the W-2 employee. It's not really addressing that business owner and how they take that most important asset and transition to the next stage of their life and retirement. So that's what I would do at this point is seek out somebody um, on your team or your financial team that could actually help you value, uh, get a value for your business and what are the steps I can do to make sure this is in a position to sell or transition to my kids. And here's the funny thing, Carl is even if we decide not to sell it, those things you would do to make it sellable are the very things that will make the business more successful, drive drive more income, and the way you'd want to be running a business anyway. So you're saying the way that John thinks about eventually selling the business, if he puts those things into practice, mm-hmm. it'll make it a better business now. Yeah, to to keep, even if you decide to keep it. I think the key is, is that it, it's a fallacy to think, okay, well, maybe if my health gives out, Maybe if I'm in a good market, maybe that's just when I'll say, you know what, I'm ready and I'll pull the trigger. You've got to make sure that business is prepared to transition. And that's my message to John. Is that he's already thinking about that. That's coming up in his mind. And that might be a two, three plus year window to get that business in the position to where he has those options and opportunities. What a fantastic question. Thank you for that, John. And again, a quick reminder to all of you, if you want to be a part of In the Mailbag, you can go to facebook.com forward slash retirement resource or to ask Bo. Well, it's been another great show. I want to thank Diane Stoltz for sharing 
her example of a successful example of reinventing herself, of, of living a retirement that she's really excited about. You can hear it in her voice. Yeah, and apparently I need to hang out with uh, some uh, 60-year-old ladies because they're doing retirement right. She's, she's letting us know. Yeah, I think the ladies are a little quicker to get it, get their head around it and do it the right way. Us men are a little slower right. and takes a little longer. I mean, it's just what happens. And John, with a question, I love those questions. They're a little deeper than, you know, how do I allocate my 401k? That was a good question about a business because there's a lot of parts there. But if you'll start taking some of those action steps over the next 90 days and then reevaluate and take action steps over that next 90 days and do that quarterly, he could find himself in a year or two or three in a great position to transition and have the retirement of his dreams and not be, you know, kind of that example of someone that gets there and they're surprised when it doesn't work out the way they hoped. Yeah, John, great. Well, here's the thing. As we've gone through this, I'm having so much fun with the show, but Carl, Carl, you okay? Yeah, that's all I want on. <laughs> Your face is pretty, I think you should. You, no, I told, you I, okay? Yeah, I'm good. I told the guys I'll be back after the show to do my second shift. You, yeah, this isn't safe. I think you should go to the, the emergency room. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, how's she art? Okay, yeah, let's get art in here. Uh, all right, come in here. Tell your joke. What you got this week for us? How many tickles does it take to make an octopus laugh? Ten tickles. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good, Art. All right. Hey. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Carl. We're going to get Carl to, I'm actually going to give you a ride uh, to the emergency room. Thanks, Art, for the joke. Thank you guys for joining. And thank you, Diane Stoltz. Thank you for your question, John. Thank you for listeners. And we'll see you next week, same time, same place, right here at Rose Creek Community Center on The Retirement Resource. The Retirement Resource Show is for entertainment purposes only. If you could call it entertainment, that car is the worst. The content represents the thoughts and opinions of Bo Henderson and guests of the show. If I'm being honest, I really think I should be the co-host. <laughs> Before making any financial, tax, or legal decisions, consult with qualified professionals. Jeez, that was a pain. I'm out. <laughs>